Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so glad that you're with me today. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter 18, and we're talking about the infusion of strength to receive a miracle. Praise the Lord. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and bring revelation to us, wisdom and revelation, so that we can see the truths in your word, the principles, and apply those to our lives and receive miracles in our lives. Praise you, O God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit and your anointed word. In Jesus' name we pray. And around the world, we all agree and say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 18, verse 6. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Now, this in Scripture is what theologians would call a theophany, where God the Son, the second person of the Godhead deity, God the Son, known throughout eternity past as the Word, is going to take on a human-type form. He's coming to the earth, has a few friends with him, and uh, is going to have a conversation with Abraham. Now, I believe this is the Lord conversing with Abraham, and the conversation uh, begins, uh, first of all, with a nice meal. Once the meal's done, then the Lord's going to get down the business. Praise God. But there's a tasty dish that's being served. I guess if I were there, I would have asked for some A1 steak sauce. <laughs> I always like A1, not just on steak, but on my hamburgers and, and so forth. And so um, it's a wonderful meal, and they sit down under the tree, and they eat it. And Abraham was very highly developed in the, the grace of hospitality. I think that's something also that we can be a blessing at, is to be hospitable. Praise God. You never know when the Lord might want to come by and visit you. And prophetically, I'm actually teaching this message for preparation for these types of moments in your life. Praise the Lord. Verse 9. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? All right, the barbecue's over. The food's been eaten. And now the Lord is going to get down the business. He's going to deal here with the subject of Sarah, but he's not going to address Sarah directly. He's going to work with his covenant man, the man of faith, and that is Abraham. And so Abraham, of course, will be able to relay these things to his wife, Sarah. But as we know from the story, Sarah is on the other side of the tent curtain wall, and she's listening to the whole conversation. Mm -mm. Praise God. That sounds like something my wife would do. She, she's not an eavesdropper, but if it is something pertinent that she needs to hear, uh, she's going to be listening with a very uh, accurate ear. Praise God. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life 
and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, this is a repetition of what Abraham has been told previously in his life in an earlier visitation from the Lord. And this is not new to Abraham. He already has the name for who the son is going to be. The son is going to be named Isaac. But this is new, my friends, for the ear of Sarah. Now, think about it just for a moment. Sarah is on the earth, and she has one primary destiny that connects her to God. She has one primary life assignment that needs to get accomplished at all cost. And yes, of course, the calling of the Lord would entail being a wife to Abraham and everything that a wife would do. But still, there is the primary core assignment, and that is to bear her husband a son. And the one assignment, the one high calling that she has, she is incapable of fulfilling it. Now, this is very important because any true assignment, any true commissioning from the Lord that you receive will never be something that you can accomplish in your own might or ability. You're going to need God's help. Praise the Lord. But my friends, with the Lord's help, it's going to get done. But this is all a learning experience for Sarah because she has heard the faith talk of her husband. She is hearing her husband call those things that be not as though they were. And she is thinking, well, this is great. He's God's man of faith. And, uh, but she's still kind of on the outside of all of these mechanics of the principles of God's word. She loves God. She loves her husband and, uh, she's enjoying her life, but you know, she's not able to produce that carries an underlying frustration and eventually will bring it to a point where something is going to have to be done that requires a miracle. That miracle will come through a supernatural infusion of strength God can do the same thing for you concerning that specific need that you have relating to your assignment in life from the Lord. God's able to help you to cross the finish line as well. Praise God. I tell you, the Bible is in so many ways, there's a lot of, you know, how can I say it? God is the creator of drama and God uh, has many underlying elements in the word of God where you see the pull for the underdog. And you see those that would be uh, least likely to succeed. Those are so oftentimes the ones that God chooses because he chooses so differently from man. Man looks on the outside. God has the ability, which only God can do, of looking at the heart. So he picks those sometimes that you would think, oh, they're never going to uh, be successful. Uh, But yet God chooses them on purpose so that he might be glorified. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So this is fascinating. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. And God knew that. And God had, uh, th- this is Sarah's time. This, you, must always, you must always hear God for yourself. Uh, even if your best friend, even if your husband is a world-renowned prophet, you must hear from the Lord yourself. And now she's hearing it one-on-one. Uh, straight through the tent curtain, she's hearing God talk to her husband, and she realizes he's talking about her. The promise is for her. So she knows the reality of this now. 
Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? Well, there's different ways that you could look at this verse, but when you look at the context and you look also at uh, the rabbinical commentaries, this is a laugh of unbelief where Sarah hears the marvelous promise that God has for her life, that she's going to have a son. And there's almost like a, 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 a scoffing, maybe even on the verge of a sneer, where she says, basically within her heart, why, that's just impossible. And to some people who don't understand faith, remember her husband has been the faith man, but welcome to the walk, Sarah. She's suddenly thrust into this and the reality of it, and she can't sit on the bench. She can't stay on the sidelines anymore. And she laughs and uh, thinks this is not possible, that this can't happen. And this is the reality of where some believers even sit as they sit in the church. And maybe they sit there for so long and they learn good church doctrine and they learn the stories of the Bible. And they say, yes, Pastor Stephen, I know about Abraham and Sarah and and Peter and Paul and James and John, and I've read the Bible. But when it comes to actually seeing the hand of God move in a very powerful way in their life, they cannot identify any type of watermark that would give a revelation of that, a testimony of that. And I'm not talking about your salvation experience or something such as even the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's to take you into the plan of God for your life. So we have to be people that don't just maybe sit in church like Sarah, hear about it, hear the preacher like Abraham, but we're going to have to come into real life experiences of God's power for our own lives in order to accomplish what God has called us to do. And I know that you have a great interest in that in fulfilling your God-appointed destiny. Praise the Lord. Well, Sarah is going to get a rebuke for her unbelief. My goodness. So she laughed within herself after I've, saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, we as Christians, we're well taught. We know the Word of God. Even if you're a baby Christian, you're brand new in, in the walk, you know that God is omnipotent, almighty, omniscient, knowing everything, omnipresent, able to uh, observe all things all at the same time. He's God. So nobody that is a believer would say, oh, there's something too hard for God, because there's not. But we can acknowledge the truth of that statement, but never see that truth realized in our lives. In other words, uh, if something doesn't happen dramatically, Sarah is going to live her whole life out without accomplishing her primary objective, which is what? To bring forth a male child a son for Abraham, because we're going to have Abraham, and we're supposed to have Isaac, and then we're supposed to have Jacob. Jacob's name was going to be changed to Israel, and then this whole thing is going to turn into a nation, and then this whole thing is going to go to the Gentiles, and so this is global. 
and it's all riding on one woman <laughs> who's been sitting on the sideline. <laughs> but now she's actually thrust into the reality of this real walk of faith where you not only now have to talk it, but you actually have to live it. Praise the Lord. She's right in the thick of it. And it's a difficult time for her, but she's going to, she's going to get the traction that she needs. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Again, the Lord said, is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time? I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. So there's an appointed time and your, your miracle will sync up with your appointed time. I have the camera synced to a monitor, synced to an encoder, synced to a, a server, and it, the things have to sync together. And in order for you to receive your miracle, there is a syncing with the divine time of the Lord. And when it's there, you can't hide. You have to jump into it and realize this is my moment. This is my hour, and I'm going to respond. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the Lord said, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it. She, not, she denied that she laughed. She denied that she said that within her heart. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he, Abraham, said, no, but you did laugh. Mm -mm. Now, why was she afraid? Because she realized when the Lord rebuked her, corrected her, she realized this thing's not a joke. Life is not some kind of game. And there's more to life for the believer than just gaining heaven. You're supposed to get done what God has assigned to you for your purpose on the earth. And yes, for Sarah, it's to be a great wife and to do the wifely things and to be a worshiper of God. But but she's got to get this done. And this is to bring forth a child. Oh, she has the problem. The elephant in the room that maybe has been avoided and not talked about, even though it's uh, glaringly obvious that it's there. She has a problem. She's barren. She cannot produce a child. Things are okay with Abraham, but something is wrong with Sarah within her her womanly organs where she is barren and she cannot produce. Now, this is going to run as a beautiful thread throughout scripture where you're going to see some of the great women of the Bible all had the similar problem. They, they were barren. And you see that with many of the great women of the Bible and God would do a miracle for them, but God is wanting, uh, he's wanting the offspring to be used for his glory. Praise God. So God, of course, is working with Sarah, and Sarah is faced with the reality, I can't, I can't have a child, but I'm supposed to have a child, and now she's, she's really, she's dialed in now. She really realizes, uh, this is not a joke to the Lord, and I'd better, I'd better, I'd better uh, get on board here because this has got to be done. This is God's will for my life. This is God's plan for my life. I know my destiny. I know my calling. I'm supposed to produce the promised child. Well, she caught revelation of that. How did that come? Faith comes how? By hearing the word. She heard with her own ears the Lord say, she's going to have a child. Mm -mm. Wow. 
I mean, and this is not a long off prophecy that we're talking like within the time frame of what it would take for the, you know, within like a year, by that time next year, this is going to be unfolded. So she's like up and running. But there was also the scenario of trying to make it happen in the flesh. In other words, she produced, or she didn't produce, but she was at, uh, she was involved in the producing of Ishmael. So Sarah had a maidservant, uh, somebody that washed the laundry and folded the towels and did all of that uh, work. And well, uh, her name was Hagar. The maidservant's name was Hagar. She was an Egyptian. And uh, Sarah got frustrated and said, you know what? I've got to do something. We've got to have this child. And she said, I obviously can't do it. And she said, Abraham, why don't you just uh, go into my, my handmaiden and produce a child, and that child will be the promised child. Well, that, uh, that relationship between Abraham and Hagar produced Ishmael. And when you hear the phrase in the church about don't produce an Ishmael, basically what, is, what that means is don't try to take God's place and get it done in your own power or ability, maybe due to impatience. And that's, that's really why Sarah jumped into that because she realizes, hey, I'm getting older and older. Now my body uh, is just way too old and my husband's too old. And, uh, and she just like was ready to throw in the towel. But patience is the fruit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we have to be patient. We possess the promises of God through faith and patience. Mm-mm. Now, patience doesn't mean inactivity or that we're dormant and not doing anything, but we're involved in doing all that we can. In her case, it would be to trust the Lord. But anyhow, we know the story. There was an Ishmael that was produced, and uh, uh, his descendants went on to cause a lot of trouble for the Israelis, and many of those descendants still cause some trouble today as there's friction Wow, friction between the brethren. Praise the Lord. But my friends, we want to be careful in this area. I, I love the, uh, the funny statement that Arthur Burt made. Now, he lived to be 103 years old, a uh, spirit-filled minister that loved God. And when he got older, he made an unusual statement. He said, I don't pray near as much now as I used to when I was younger. And somebody asked him, Why? He said, because I'm not creating Ishmael's anymore. Woo! <laughs> you know, when you create an Ishmael, you're like, oh, God, uh-oh, uh, God, get me out of this. Uh, God, fix this. Uh, God, repair this. Uh, God, I've, 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 I've made a big blunder here. Uh, you know, and uh, it's not like Ishmael is just going to vaporize and be taken off the planet. He's still there. And oh, my goodness, Wow. I think one of the biggest Ishmael's a person can make that's a believer is to marry the wrong person. Woo! That doesn't mean that you're not going to make heaven, but when you're looking at the fulfillment of your destiny, uh, you're going to have enough of a challenge along with things working right to get that done. You certainly don't need uh, to create an Ishmael, marry an Ishmael, and now you've got somebody that is antagonistic against your your life's vision to honor and to glorify the Lord. Now, thank God in the new covenant, which is where we're at right now, there is grace. And there's actually more than enough grace to still get it done. (laughs) 
but but the only thing is you may need you may need that not just normal grace you may need uh over and above grace well god can pour it out and i've seen him do it and i've seen uh some people make some wrong turns in life that were really uh really off the freeway of god's express lane but i have stood back in amazement as i have seen god's grace extend into the situation when the person will humble themselves and say, Lord, you and I both knew that that wasn't a good choice. And now Ishmael's on the scene and Ishmael's not going away. So Lord, pour out your grace. I've seen him do it. And uh, forward motion and good things accomplished despite of a wrong turn. So never despair, never go into a place of despondency. God's grace is more than enough. Now, at the same time, it's a lot better if we don't create an Ishmael in the first place. Praise God. And if you have created some, I mean, who hasn't, right? But if you have done that previously, then uh, endeavor to uh, not make those mistakes anymore because we want to stay on the straight path. Praise God. Mm -mm. Now, uh, let's go over to Genesis chapter 21. And uh, let's see what happened to the laughing Sarah. (laughs) All right, Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as she had said. Now, the phrase, the Lord visited, is a Hebrew expression that has either a positive or a negative meaning. Uh, The negative meaning is that the Lord can visit someone but he's visiting in the sense to bring a rebuke or a correction. I remember the story that uh, Walter Butler, a wonderful prophet of the Lord that ministered in over 100 nations, he talked about the time he was in a a conference. Well, it wasn't a conference. It was more of an outpouring of the Spirit at the Bible College. And he he wasn't the president of the Bible College, but he was the minister that was over the revival because God was working through him. So he kind of had his finger on the, on the revival, on the moving of the spirit. He's the one sitting on the platform. He actually had to tell the president of the university, uh, please don't sit close to me because uh, the spirit that you're walking in is interfering with my ability to hear from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Well, what kind of a spirit was he walking in? Well, a spirit of uh, busyness and uh, a prayerlessness. And he actually had to tell the, the president of the university, please go sit over on the side so I can clearly hear from the Lord. And actually, the president understood and knew a move of God was on. And he didn't want to do anything that would uh, bungle that or hinder that. So anyhow, the revival's really going. God's really moving. The Holy Spirit was doing incredible cleansing and infilling and empowering of the students. And in one of the sessions, uh, one of the students uh, got over in the flesh, but it was done through zeal, through exuberance, but he still got in the, he still got in the flesh. And Walter Butler said that he overreacted and corrected uh, that person too hard. And when he did that, when he overreacted, it instantly just killed the anointing. And the whole room was just dead. The intense presence, the glory, it just evaporated within like one second. It was gone. And he just, he just missed the meeting because everybody knew it's over with, uh, at least for now. And uh, everybody went back to their dorm room and he went back home. And, uh, you know, 
He was just like, he was a little bit like, well, Lord, I was justified in doing that because there was a disruption that was caused and I had to address it and so forth. So, you know, we could all justify ourselves in anything, right? <laughs> so anyhow, he goes to sleep. And that night, uh, he had the Lord come and visit him, him, just like the Lord visited Sarah. The Lord came and visited him and he was awakened to a man singing with a beautiful, rich, baritone voice. And when he looked to see who was singing, he looked and there was the Lord. Brother Butler had a vision and he saw the Lord singing and he was singing a song. And the song had uh, three stanzas and his, he was singing the various stanzas. Uh, some of the song was really nice, but there was one of the statements in the song that greatly troubled Butler, which in other words was pin, uh, pinpointing, highlighting there was something that he needed to correct and Butler, he, he could pick up on that. He said, Lord, what's wrong? He said, you made the same mistake. The Lord said, you made the same mistake that Uzzah did. You touched the ark. And he said, because you're under grace, you didn't die. But you touched the ark. And of course, in the Old Testament, when Uzzah touched the ark, he died instantly. <laughs> that, By the way, that's the danger of the glory. Pastor Stephen, we want the glory. Uh, okay, it's it's you're you're handling you're handling something that's more powerful than plutonium, uranium, and any of those people that deal with that. Whether it's like the nuclear reactor on a on a navy vessel or something like that, uh, you have to take extra precautions in the laboratory and so forth. In a glory meeting, be careful. There's there's you're you're talking about power that is beyond human comprehension where yes, a person could die instantly. If, if somehow they got under, uh, out from underneath the mercy. Well, the Lord told brother Butler, you've, uh, you've touched the ark, you touched the glory and it killed the meeting. So the Lord said, tomorrow, I want you to repent before the whole congregation. And Butler said, I'll do it. And remember, he is the leader. He, he is the one that, uh, that the others were looking up to as the great prophet, the anointed man of God. And he has to go out there in front of all of them now and, and repent. <laughs> and so the next day, uh, the revival's back on, and God starts moving again in the service. And uh, Brother Butler felt, he said there came a moment in the service that he felt like he was about to explode on the inside, and that if he didn't move right then, and capitalize on that anointing, he could have missed it. So right when that, uh, that inner building up was super strong and he could hardly handle it anymore, he stood up, he stood up in front of everybody, went up on the platform and said, I need, I need to repent for what I did in the meeting yesterday. I touched the, the anointing. I touched the glory. I did it the wrong way. I was too, I was too abrasive. And, uh, my friends remember that also in revival where the oxen are, uh, the stall is going to get messy. You're going to have a lot of young believers, uh, that don't, uh, know some of the things that we as older believers know. And so they may get a little excited, could get in the flesh thinking it's God. So you have to have grace and wisdom, but also love for all of that and know how the Holy Spirit wants you to work through those things. So, he, he repented in front of everybody. And uh, when he did that, when he repented, there's such a love swept through the audience from the people to him. And a young man stood up and gave an utterance in tongues 
And when he finished the utterance in tongues, somebody else stood up and gave the interpretation. And the, the interpretation went something basically like this, because you have done this thing and you have humbled yourself. I will now send you to the nations. And did you know that after that, his, his doors to the nations began to open and he went to over 100 nations. Praise the Lord. So my friends, the Lord visited Sarah and this is for the positive side. There was a visitation earlier in her life for the positive. She turned it into the negative. It turned into a rebuke, but this is the good thing here. Now in the Hebrew, when it says that the Lord visits, it could be for rebuke, but oftentimes it is for the releasing, the granting of the desired favor. Woo, glory to God. Think about the magnitude of that favor with God. Well, God's going to favor you and do something for you that you want, <laughs> that you need. <laughs> and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Now, Isaac means laughter. That Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now, Abraham was 100 years old when he was, excuse me, when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. Now, in the Hebrew, that actually says God has prepared laughter for me. I want you to know that if you will trust God with all of your heart and believe him and remove that doubting, remove any snickering, uh, and step into this walk, uh, this can't be Abraham's walk anymore. This has got to be your walk. Okay. And step into it and embrace it and believe God. I'm here to tell you today, God has already prepared a moment when you're going to laugh. He has already prepared laughter for you. All you have to do is keep walking it out and you're going to walk right into that spot eventually where what's waiting for you? Laughter. Are you going to laugh, 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 laugh? Praise God. And so keep moving towards that because what is going to happen is that previously those who laughed at you are now, watch this, they're going to laugh with you. You'll always have those even in the church that don't, that don't understand why. It's never happened to them. For them, it's just stories in the Bible. Maybe they have been in church for decades and they've never seen anybody walk out and, uh, and trust the Lord and take hold of God and actually receive a real valid miracle that empowers them to do what God has called them to do. Maybe they've never seen it done. Mm -mm. So you must be the one that steps in, steps up, and there's laughter waiting for you at the accomplishment of this assignment. Praise God. Verse 6, And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. They'll laugh with her. They used to laugh at her. Now they're going to laugh with her. These are all prophetic indicators of where we're going. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. And some will come to you and they'll say, you know, I didn't mean to laugh at you or or, you know, snicker or say it's never going to happen for you. It's just that I've never seen it before. So you're the first one to actually demonstrate it. So now 
I want in on this. I want to ride on this anointing. Teach me. Show me how to do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Praise God. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. What is that? Mission accomplished. And you're not supposed to leave this planet. Please listen to this Pentecostal preacher today. You're not supposed to leave this planet until your destiny is fulfilled. She had one core assignment from God. Bear your husband a son. And that one assignment, she could not do it without the Spirit's power, without God working in her life. But the Lord said, is there anything too hard for me? Mm-mm. And what you need God to do is not too hard for him. He's going to do it for you, but he needs your full participation. He needs your faith. And he needs you to step in. You know, we have a little bit of a, a danger zone today. Uh, I would call it the other side of the coin. We, we have so much, uh, we have so many resources of good teaching, good ministers, and seminars, and conferences, and churches, and YouTube, and Facebook, and every other, uh, you know, live stream, and all the other medias that we're sending the word on, and all the other ministers are sending the word on, is that what can happen is you become a, a professional hearer, and you hear good messages about how to do it all the time, and you become a professional hearer, but you never, you never step into it like Sarah did, and don't think that she She's somebody that is, is acknowledged as the great woman of faith. No, that's what everybody's thinking about her husband. But suddenly she realizes, I'm going to have to do what he's doing if I want to get this done. And she heard, she heard the Lord say, uh, she's, going to, she's going to have a child this time next year. It's going to happen. Well, she realized it's now or never. Praise God. And my friends with you, we can't just keep waiting and say, one day the glory will be here. I'm here to tell you that we are in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2. And I can verify it by telling you that the gross darkness is here. Uh, it says that gross darkness will be upon the peoples. And that is true. We're living in unprecedented areas of demise and decline of morals and ethics. And so, my friends, this is, this is the end times. But this is also the time of the golden, glorious church. This is the finest age of the church. Now is your time. Go now and take your blessing. Go now and start getting accomplished that assignment that God has placed into your heart mm-hmm, to do. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, my friends, she got the miracle. But there were there are several key things that happened to her along this journey that would have to happen in order for Isaac uh, to eventually be born. Uh, number one, Sarah is going to have to have a touch upon her body. And some of you, you're going to need that too. Now, you might, you might not get the same type of treatment that Sarah got, <laughs> but God, he'll do some work on you if you need, if, you, if you're really serious about getting your assignment done, God will get you up and he'll get you going. Praise the Lord. And he'll, he'll lubricate your joints. He'll energize your body. Praise the Lord. And that is something certainly that took place with Sarah. There was a miracle restoration of her body and even some type of supernatural restoration of her beauty. This is very interesting because 
When Isaac was born, when he was born, Sarah was right at 89 or 90 years of age. But the rabbis teach in the commentaries that she looked like she was only 40 years old. She had the health of a woman that was much, much younger, and the Lord had touched her body. Now, we know that Sarah, according to Scripture, was a very attractive woman. She was so attractive that Pharaoh, uh, when Abraham went down to Egypt, which he should not have done, but when he went down to Egypt, and again, the rabbinical commentaries say that was a, that was a wrong move, and so now he's over in Pharaoh's territory, and anyhow, Pharaoh sees uh, this woman with Abraham and uh, sends some of his guys out and says, find out who she is. And Abraham basically says, well, she's my sister. And they had worked out uh, really this lie. And uh, she even said, yeah, he's my brother. Well, Pharaoh said, well, then she's free. <laughs> and they took her <laughs> to the palace. And uh, oh, severe, severe judgment came upon uh, the Pharaoh. And uh, he found out later what was going on that he's got, a, he's got another man's wife in his house. Now, he never touched her. But the, it does tell us in Scripture that she was a very, uh, very beautiful lady of countenance. Now, I want us to see something else in Genesis chapter 12 in, in the same light. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Mm-mm. Genesis chapter 12. And in verse 10, well, let's just jump to verse 11. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is my wife. They will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. Why? Why did Abraham do that? Because of one thing, watch out for this spirit. He did it because of fear. He was afraid, he was afraid they would kill him. And fear can drive a person to do irrational things. So while Abraham was God's covenant man, he wasn't perfect. You have to understand also that from our perspective, they were not born again. But when you're born again, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we know also that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And remember, fear is a spirit. It's an evil spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Praise God. So we have great benefits that Abraham did not have, which is the born-again experience, Christ living in us by the Holy Spirit, and so we don't have to have these repeating mistakes that Abraham went through. By the way, by the way, that's the first time he lied, and he actually lied later again in Genesis chapter 20. Let's look at that just for a moment. Genesis chapter 20. I'm glad these, these realities, these stories are put in the Bible. They're very encouraging to us. Well, Genesis 20, verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from there to the south, and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur, and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took 
Sarah. Well, the Philistine kings, and there were five of them, the Philistine kings, each their king was called Abimelech. So this is the primary Abimelech out of the five, the one that is the chief of the five, and he sees Sarah, and she's an old lady, and yet he is able to see her and recognize, wow, she's very beautiful. If she's free, send my guys out. If she's free, I, I, I would sure like to uh, uh, bring her into the palace. Well, he found out that she's free. Now, she's not. She's married, and he brings her into the palace. Wow, and I tell you what, uh, judgment broke loose against him. Verse 3, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. And, uh, excuse me, but Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? See, God's not just going to kill Abimelech. He's going to kill every single one of them. <laughs> He's going to take them all out. <laughs> Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. See, they're both lying. But we know why they're lying. Because of Abraham's fear. He's afraid they're going to kill him. Mm -mm. If he would have just trusted God in this area, like he was trusting God in these other areas, God would have gotten him through all of those trials as well. And so Abimelech says, in the integrity of my heart, and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I, I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours." Woo! <laughs> so Abimelech was terrified. He went and told everybody, uh, and they're terrified. And he's like, "We're getting this guy and his wife out of here." And uh, but he uh, unloaded tremendous blessings on them and resources upon them. Uh, but Abraham prayed for them because they're they're all they're all sick. All the women are barren, and so uh, God was very very serious. So my friends, God God is with you all the way on this. And when you are on divine assignment and you are, you're just doing the best you can. We see that Abraham still had flaws. Matter of fact, his son, Isaac, later is going to do the same thing. He's going to lie about Rebecca and say, she's my sister. So there are these areas that we must overcome lest it be passed on to our children. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This is very, very important. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we see that there was a miracle restoration of Sarah's body where she's 90 years old, but she looks like a lady, maybe in her early 40s, maybe even late 30s. We also see that there is a miracle of conception that takes place and the barrenness is broken off of Sarah's life. And you can even top off the miracle by not only the honor that is now bestowed to Sarah, but now that she's got Isaac as a baby and she's 90 years old, she nurses him for four to five years before weaning him. Now that, that's incredible. Think about that for a moment. A 94-year-old lady nursing 
the child. Absolutely miraculous. Well, let's wrap it up. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. By the way, if you are a prophetic type person, and I hope that you are, I pray that you are. And when I say prophetic type person, I'm not saying that I hope you're a prophet or I, you know, because the prophet's office is different from being prophetic. But when you're prophetic, you're sensitive to things spiritually where you're picking up indicators of the spirit that others would not miss who don't have an interest in that area or who have not developed themselves in that area. But sometimes you'll start to get the number 1111 and you might be wondering, what is that about? It's about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. God's just trying to say prophetically, maybe you're seeing it on the clock, 1111, or street address, 1111, or some other format where that number appears often to you. God's trying to say to you that if Sarah could get her miracle, surely you can get yours. I mean, when we hear about Abraham, we think, oh, yes, father of faith. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. But then we would think, well, that was Abraham. But look, this is Sarah. This is Sarah. This is the one that laughed and thought it's not possible even when God said it. This is her getting her life straightened out and jumping in here and taking a hold of the promise. And she gets hers too. How? By faith. And so you're going to have to believe the Lord, trust God, and it's going to happen for you. By faith, Sarah herself. Now, I like how the Weymouth translation translates this verse by saying, by faith, even Sarah. In other words, it's a little bit of a play there by by denoting that, hey, this is the person that didn't think even God can do it. (laughs) All right? (laughs) Glory to God. So that's that's the thrust here, that if Sarah can get her miracle, and I'm sure she's in heaven right now, probably laughing uh, and, and rejoicing at this message because she, she is the, would be the type of person that said, yeah, there was a part of me that, I, you know, I let my husband be the preacher. I let my husband be the faith man. I let my husband be the, the, the friend of God. But there came a point where uh, it's now her set time and that destiny uh, was so valuable to her. She said, I'm going to get this done. And she did. You will too. By faith, Sarah received, excuse me, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. So there is an infusion of strength. And that strength comes from faith. How did it come for her? By hearing the word. Now, initially, she laughed at it. But the, but she's heard it though. And the word is a seed. And the seed, if you ever stop, uh, you know, you could see, you could have the seed and just like in farming, you could have the seeds in a packet and take the little packet and set it on the shelf uh, so it's not going to produce. But when you do take the seed, God's word is a seed, and then you put it in your heart, you sow it in your heart, and you meditate on that, and you act on that, and you believe that. Now, now you're heading towards the miracle. That's what took place with her. She also received strength. And I see the strength of God's promise coming into your life. God's going to do it for you. She also received strength to conceive seed. So there was the conception. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Praise the Lord. God is a good God. He's always good. And the Lord was really working with Sarah. I mean, she could see uh, what was going on with Abimelech and all of the ladies getting stricken. I mean, the terror of God was hitting that place. And she's realizing 
I do have a destiny. My husband has a destiny, but I'm tied into this too. I'm important. God's, God's with me. God's going to do something for me. And so she could see what's t- taking place. And she's like, I'm all in. God's real. God's alive. Now, as Christians, we could all say that. God's real. God's alive. Yes, but it's time to get off the bench and get in the reality of this and start walking it out. Why? It's the golden age of the church. The glory is here. God is with you. So rise up and begin to walk out what he has placed upon your heart, that core assignment, and get it done. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching that they receive strength, the anointed word, strength, just like Sarah did, to conceive and to bring to fulfillment. We give you praise. Thank you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, faith begins by receiving Christ into your heart. If you would like to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Christ, then pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died on the cross to save sinners like me. Jesus, I repent of all of my sins. I turn from my sin, and I ask you to wash all of my sins away and write my name in your book of life. Jesus, I give my heart to you. Take my life and work through me for your glory. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the family of God. All right, let's all together take Holy Communion. Grab some grape juice and some unleavened bread. And let's pray. Let's take communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. Now, Father, we set it apart through this prayer as sanctified and holy. We thank you. This is now the body, the flesh, and the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, when we receive now his flesh, we thank you, O God, that nothing is too hard for you. Now, Lord, we know that's true, but we must not just leave this as ink on paper. We must know it experientially. Thank you, Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, that there is the unveiling of the reality of your power to receive strength to conceive and produce the promised child. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that you would forgive us of all sin. We ask that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, O God. Thank you, O God. Father, we forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We bless them and we go on in you. We thank you, O God, for the precious blood. And we thank you for the new covenant. We thank you for the new covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Um, There's just a couple of people right now. There's just a few people. Um, You're about to, you're about to do something that has Ishmael in it. And if you let Ishmael in, if you create an Ishmael, it's very hard. It takes a long time for him to leave. Sometimes, sometimes he doesn't leave. Sometimes he's in the rest in your life for the rest of your life. Some of you can still avoid that. Um, 
And as, as we're taking communion, there is an unveiling of that. So walk in the wisdom of the Lord. Check everything once, twice, thrice. Make sure it's all in the center of God's will. Praise the Lord. Amen. It'll save you a lot of uh, prayers such as, oh, God, get me out of this. <laughs> so check everything. Make sure everything's good because there's a couple that are watching and you're going in the, a, a wrong direction on something that would lead you into an Ishmael. All right, so Father, we receive the blood of Jesus. Thank you for illumination. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive. Oh, praise God. Amen. Well, before I say goodbye to you today, let me also remind you that we are now focused on the ministry mission jet hangar project. We have the opportunity right now to buy the perfect hangar that will give birth to the aviation branch of our ministry. This hangar is available. The cost is $400,000. This is an opportunity from the Lord that we need to move on right now. This is what we have been praying for for years, and we must not let this moment pass us by. I want to invite you to sow your best seed into this project. If you would like to do so, there's a link on the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. And the homepage has a little red heart that, uh, that says, click here to give. And when you click there to give, you'll see the link for contributions, special offerings into the Hanger Project. Thank you so much for sowing into that and standing with us as we endeavor by faith to launch the new extension of the ministry, which is now the aviation branch of the ministry. Praise God. And thank you for your prayers as well. Glory to, the God, to God. And I'm believing that every seed that you sow, God will multiply it back to you 100-fold, which is his very best for your life. And that you also, like Sarah, you're going to get it accomplished, your life assignment. And can you believe Sarah ended up in Hebrews chapter 11, the eternal hall of faith? I mean, this, this is where the big ones are at. And she's in there. My goodness. And my friends, I see you being added to the hall of faith. Um, that is a hall that is extended for those that accomplish and get done their divine assignments. And I see you being added to that too. Because if Sarah can make it, God's going to do it for you too. God bless you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for your support of this special project. And I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.